Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, business editor of Variety. Today, my guest in New York is Roma Khanna, CEO of Revolt. Revolt is Sean Combs' media company, which operates a cable channel by the same name, digital platforms, and a growing live events business, all rooted in the dynamic world of hip-hop culture. Kana came of age as a television executive at NBC Universal and MGM Television. She's candid about the challenges of leading an independent outfit like Revolt in today's pay TV environment. She also discusses the importance of what she calls super serving a super niche audience in this kind of environment. Roma Kana, CEO of Revolt Media and TV. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you for having me here. You are the CEO of, a, of an interesting company run by Sean Combs. You have a very prominent hip-hop brand. Revolt is known in the in the hip-hop and music community. It's become synonymous with Sean Combs and all of the color and glamour of his life. You run Revolt as a business, and a big part of that business is the cable channel that launched almost five years ago. That's right. Yes, in 2013, so... A little bit more than that. And tell us, you know, that's a very, obviously you are aimed at a younger audience. That is a very difficult demographic right now to, to bring, especially to traditional linear TV. Let's talk about the audience that Revolt reaches and what is your special sauce? What is the, what is the, the connection that you have with viewers that brings people to Revolt? Well, I think Revolt is a great example of what I like to think about as super serving a super niche. So we are a channel and a programming voice and a um, platform within the culture, um, by the culture, for the culture that serves hip hop culture in particular. So um, in our world, that's more than music, but it is led from the heart of music. So it's music driven culture. Um, but the way young people today, and perhaps always, have consumed music has been more than just about the music itself. It's been about fashion. It's been about lifestyle. It's been about comedy and storytelling and where they eat and who they hang out with and who they want to um, travel with and where they want to travel to. So when we look at culture, we're looking at um, music uh, th through the music lens and through a hip-hop lens, but we're looking at everything from sports commentary, entertainment, lifestyle, documentary, fashion, um, social justice is, you know, inextricably linked to hip-hop culture. Um, and, and we're looking at youth culture, which is an exciting place to be. So our audience, the core of our audience is millennial um, and also Gen Z, extremely diverse. What's, which is the, what's the specific age range that you're seeing coming to you? So because we're a multi-platform brand and we really want to live in an ecosystem, so it's not about different prongs of a brand. It's one brand at the heart um, that has expressions in different media. Right. Um, it's led currently by TV and that's where we were born and where we started, but it's, it's now, um, you know, digital, mobile, live events, all of those great things, podcasts, uh, hopefully very soon. Um, and whatever touch point makes sense, uh, we're, we're reaching the audience in different ways, but it's slightly different by platform. So television does tend to be a little bit older. So that is our core millennial audience. It would be in, 
you know, somewhere between 18 and 35 is really the sweet spot with cable television for our channel and, and who's watching. But we get a lot of older people. That's the core. But people who love the culture and want to participate um, and, and be a part of it are coming to us. On digital platforms, it tends to be a little bit younger. So it's people in their 20s really driving the discussion. And when we do live events like we're doing this year with the Revolt Summit in multiple cities, my expectation is that it'll be a lot of young people in their 20s at the beginning of uh, their careers as an artist or a business person in hip hop and hip hop culture. And you're finding that people on the younger end of that older teen, early 20s, you're finding that that, that that viewer and their motivations and how they consume is markedly different than even their older brothers and sisters and cousins? Absolutely. So if we look, depending on who you ask, where the cutoff between millennial and Gen Z is. <laughs> there's a lot of debates, yes, yeah. So there's a lot of debate. Let's call it somewhere in your early 20s. So your your Gen Zs or, or maybe late teens, your Gen Zs are really in their teenage years and coming up on their later teenage years. The lifestyle is so remarkably different. I mean, millennials a word that's capturing people from their early 20s to their mid 30s. So on average, half of them are married and have children. I mean, these are adults. They're getting mortgages. They've got careers, not just jobs on the on the later end. But on the earlier end, they're just starting out figuring out what the difference between a career and a job is. <laughs> right. But whereas the Gen Z um, population, these these are young people and they're consuming media in a very different way and and in a very rapid multi-platform way. TV does not hold um, the center of that universe in the same way that it still does for millennials. That the center of that Gen Z universe is the phone, presumably? It is mobile and it's multi-platform. So they are naturally born into a world of multiple devices and multiple touch points at the same time often. so <laughs> Phone and, and iPad in your lap at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. You're talking or you're Snapchatting and you're sending emojis and, and your language is different because it's it's quick, it's emotive. Um, so millennials still text. You know, this is the heart of their relationships on average. Gen Z are sending emojis and they'll have an entire conversation <laughs> in photograph and emojis and it makes perfect sense to them. They know exactly what they're saying to their friends and what's being said back. A literal new language. Oh my God. It, it, exactly. And it is uh, and it is a big difference in terms of how they view um, storytelling and where these platforms fit into their lives. So that shift as we get younger um, becomes much more uh, pronounced with with Gen Z and then the, what they're calling iGen before that, you know, these are these are young people who don't know a universe without access to content, information, uh, entertainment in their hands at any length they want, at any given time, with any shared experience. It's not new. It's just the way the world is. So are you, you are creating, obviously you create programming for the linear channel, but it sounds like in this environment, you're creating a lot of programming that is sliced and diced and in, in different, in different formats to serve the, these, you know, these youths that have grown up with the, with these devices in their hands. Absolutely. And I think from our point of view, we really like to think about the brand first. You know, what is Revolt? What is our purpose in the universe um, of these young people? And then try to super serve on the platform that they're consuming. So television, which is still important in our universe and is still important 
for millennials. Millennials will still tell you that they're watching most of their content, long form content on a television screen. You know, they live, almost 75% of them live in households that have a cable subscription. So this is a part of their universe. And the storytelling they want is long format. That might mean 22 minutes to them, but that's Mm -hmm. longer format. It's more in depth. It's higher quality production. Um, And then they are also consuming on digital platforms, shorter format, um, quick storytelling, more timely in terms of its commentary. And our job as a brand is to not think of these things as derivatives of each other, but instead to think about that brand experience as the heart that connects um, unique storytelling platforms that have to be um, offering content unique to that platform, not just cutting down or extending one from the other. Right. Harnessing the the potential exactly. of each platform. Um, and do you do that? Do you do that through one team? Do you have an Uber person that kind of oversees all the, all programming and content? We have, so TV works just like, you know, TV and film work on different rhythms. Uh, TV and digital work on different rhythms. Mm-hmm. So the, the creative sauce, the brand and the content heart is the same across our teams, but the actual people delivering, um, physically delivering television versus delivering digital video. Um, digital is not, and the digital platforms are not just about video as much as video is growing. It's about social, um, social distribution. It's about um, commentary, reflection, curation of other people's content. Um, it's more time at edit- real time editorial as well. It can be image based. It can be just text based. It can be emoji based. <laughs> it's it's a it's expressing a moment anywhere from a moment of emotion to a longer um, arc of story. So it, the the rhythm of creating is different. The um, the tools you need to create are different, and the understanding of story structure. And this to me is key, that fundamental story structure that allows television to unfold is unique and it is a specialty. So the people that are working on those teams, while creatively there's a lot of crossover, um, they need to understand that structure. And if they don't, then it's not good TV. Clearly you've got a lot of investment in different types of storytelling. What's the revenue that fuels this? Is it all advertising based? Well, you know, we we still have at our heart a cable channel, and that has the benefit of both being advertising and subscription-based. Um, and you could put direct response in there as well when you think about TV. And then on the digital platforms with digital content, um, while there is both a subscription and a digital advertising model available, I think it's still being driven largely by advertising. So it's still going to be about volume. It's still going to be about the ability to attract eyeballs in. Then you have sponsorship, which is a different approach to social platforms where it's not just CPM based. It's actually bringing brands into the storytelling in a different way and reflecting them in a different way. So um, we really have a very diverse pool of revenue. And then we also have live events, which, you know, I think the success of a brand in this multi-pronged universe is really um, going to be driven by the ability to bring in different types of revenues at different moments of time. The live event space is really heating up. A lot of media companies are targeting Viacom, NBC Universal. We've really seen a lot of activity in that. We, I want to talk about the Revolt Summit uh, in a minute, but let's talk a little bit more about, you know, in a, in a marketplace where we're seeing, you know, um, you spent time working at NBC Universal. We're seeing Comcast grow to new heights. Disney and Fox just completed a historic merger. How hard is it for you to go to the market with a relatively small operation? 
extremely hard, extremely hard. It's it's a tough place to be, to be an independent um, in this universe of large companies and consolidating companies. And the only way I believe you could survive at all is to be very, very clear on who your target is. And as I said before, super service, super niche. And when I say super niche, what I mean is it looks like a niche. It's very specific. It's very targeted, but it's bigger than you think. There is a real audience there. And when you talk about hip hop and hip hop culture and diversity and youth, um, it can sound like you're saying niche words, but you're not. You're talking about the entire young population of this country and beyond. And you're talking about the the most dominant um, culture and music culture today. And you're talking about... um, you know, where America is going. Diversity is reality for these young populations. Millennial and younger is, you know, 50% not Caucasian today. And that's, you know, changing as, as the years go on, according to U.S. Census data. So for us, that is key to know who you're speaking to. And, and that becomes a survival tool when these large companies value and want access to the audience that we're serving. Because the thing that's most important to us is authenticity. It's these large companies can do whatever they want. They have the resources to choose the markets they want to um, get into on any given day in any market they want to serve. But can they do that authentically? And is it the right thing for the audience for them to do that? When you're serving diversity, when you're serving young people to not also come from that place of authentic voice, Um, I think is a little disingenuous in some ways. And that then becomes our value proposition that if you want to connect with this audience, why don't you go to the audience to do it? Right. And you have the, your, you know, the face of your company is somebody with authentic, you know, authentic, organic, genuine respect and standing in this world. So that also has got to be a selling point. It very much so. So In Sean Combs. Absolutely. So we have, um, we are one of a very few networks in this country that are majority black owned. And, and that's just reality. You can count them up and there's, uh, there's, a, there's a few other and, and like us, they're all um, either small channels or small groups of channels. It's a really hard thing to be the underdog and compete. It's a hard thing to be new. You know, we're competing against you know, media platforms through Viacom, for example, that have been around for 20 plus years. As you said at the beginning, we've only been around for five years. And and to do all of that, compete on every front. So we are the smallest. We are um, a very specific target. We are in uh, a diverse ownership group and a diverse voice and an authentic voice. Those are all important things, but they're all things that make our life difficult in a world of extreme competition, um, tightening advertising budgets and consolidation and the decline of cable. And you put us into the middle of that and really on all traditional metrics, there would be no value in what we do. So the value has to come from believing that this space and this audience is important and needs to be given the opportunity to have access and to grow. And and you can't do that without supporting the little guy and giving them space to become the mid-sized guy or the big guy and, and time to develop. So, and do you find in the, you know, in the big bad cutthroat world that we're always writing about, like, when do you find that there is an understanding among people making carriage decisions and renewal decisions? Like there's an understanding that there is value to, to what may be a, a niche, a niche audience, but that the, 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 there is value to the audience that revolt brings. 
You know, the answer is sometimes, you know, some individuals, some companies really understand it and value it and want to lean in um, and and create content specifically for smaller um, areas of, of the culture that they've traditionally served and, and grow their audience. I mean, there's a real business opportunity here for a population that's been underserved in a lot of ways. But um, at the same time, because we are young in terms of our audience, the, this is an audience that's moving away from traditional media in a lot of ways and consuming in new and unusual ways every day. So it's 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 tough. I think there's a spectrum of partners who understand value, get it, want to lean in, um, want to do more, want to help us grow and become um, a, a valuable partner to them and, and really value this audience. There's some that like the idea of it, but practically don't think it's working or that we're performing at the level they need. But again, you know, measure me in 20 years, like you're doing everyone else. And it might be a different story. Um, and, uh, but they, but they understand the value of, of at least having the proposition. And then there's some that just view it as, um, a, something they're told to do and, and maybe they'll listen, maybe they won't, depending on where their budgets are at and what kind of forgiveness they're going to get because they're under tough metrics as well. So it's a spectrum. Do you do your MVPD deals directly or do you have a partner that helps you negotiate carriage deals? We do that all internally. We have a team and uh, a, a fantastic um, leader on the team named Mr. James Brown, who uh, <laughs> the has hardest a, working a, man yes. <laughs> in affiliate sales, no doubt. Uh, definitely, definitely. Um, and we, you know, it, I think it's important because it is about that authenticity that it's a double edged sword. Sometimes it feels like it would be easier to be in with one of the big guys. And I think on some levels it would be, but we'd be the smallest one in the mix. And do you You'd be get, the last on their list of the priorities? The last on the list is they're consolidating and they're um, culling back expenditures for some, you know, the MVPDs are culling expenditures for some of the big groups. But when, as they, as the money goes to the big groups, we do sometimes get left with scraps and fighting with the other independents to, to get our um, place in the sun, so to speak. But when someone values us, when a company values us, they're valuing us for our audience and for the diversity position and the youth position that we have in this unique market and culture that we serve with hip hop culture. And in that case, being independent is is terrific. And, and we are delighted to work with the partners that um, get that and want to be a part of it. And more than that, actually celebrate us. And we, we are lucky to have a lot of partners that do that. Do you think Revolt, I know, was born was born at a time when Comcast had an obligation with the federal government to launch channels, independently owned channels with, um, with diverse ownership as a result of their purchase, Comcast's purchase of NBC universal, they had make a commitment to, you know, sort of balancing the, the consolidation there. Um, it, revolt certainly seems to me like the success story of there was a batch of channels around late 2012, early 2013, that launched because Comcast had to make this channel real estate available on their systems. Do you think, you know, given your experience now at, at, in running Revolt, do you think that that was a successful effort in an effort to, to you know, out of concern that consolidation could lead to a, a smaller number of voices having a voice in the media landscape? Do you think that that, that provision of that acquisition has seeded, you know, what sounds like a very, you know, strong and growing business? You know, I think um, it it all started with the right thinking, and you know, we're grateful for that. We wouldn't exist but for that. So, so absolutely is the answer. But 
you know, I think the challenge is, is that the idea of trying to embrace diversity and creating uh, an equal opportunity playing field for voices to proliferate really runs into a problem when it's the first step of a hundred step race that is unlocked, but the next 99 steps still need support. So we don't have full distribution on, on most systems, Comcast, Comcast included. Um, and we'd love to have that, but the, you know, these companies are struggling with their own, um, you know, metrics as they measure their basic packages and their extended basic packages. And uh, for us to then compete on an on an equal playing field with companies that have got better distribution, have been around longer, have have um, better leverage in terms of the portfolios that they're a part of, you know, that becomes a tough story. It's that you know, if if we want to support diversity of voices in any way and in, in any platform, it can't always just be step one, and then to be measured by the same measuring sticks of companies that have been around for longer in better times and have made it past step one into step 73, um, yet we will get the, well, you know, your traffic compared to, you know, MTV's traffic. <laughs> right. It's not it's not a fair comparison at this moment in time. And if you measure us by that stick, we will always fail for the next number of years. So if we really want diversity, what are the measuring tools we're using to allow these voices to grow and then truly compete? Um, in a very difficult world of competition. I mean, it's it's tough out there and we understand that. We just, uh, we want a shot at it. I know that one important initiative for Re- Revolt on the programming side has been comedy to expand the array and um, number of, of offerings, comedians and specials and types of programming in that area. How is that going so far? Uh, we're having a lot of fun, which is um, good because it's comedy. So <laughs> right, you should be having fun if you're if you're expanding in comedy. We are the last couple of years. We really have been focusing on our TV offering and trying to make it as strong as we can make it. It's a again with the investment we have available. You know, the the company is solid, but we're not spending uh, like drunken sailors, so to speak. Um, although that's not a nice thing to say about sailors. So, um, you, you know, don't we, have the free pass of you can have negative free cash flow for, oh, 10 years while you invest correct. billions to launch a platform. Exactly. And we don't have the the freedom to experiment, therefore, and, and really, you know, throw that content spaghetti against the wall and see what <laughs> sticks. So we we have to be very careful about what we launch and how we launch and making sure it's something we think will resonate with the audience. So as we've looked at new programs this year, launching a show called State of the Culture with Joe Budden and Remy Ma and Jinx as hosts and a conversation around the culture. We, you know, with our head of programming, um, Robin Latiker Johnson, we took a look and said, okay, if we're hip hop culture, not just hip hop music, what are the other elements of culture that resonate? And as I said, it could be sports, it could be fashion. We do a lot of social justice programming, which is extremely important to us and to Mr. Combs. Uh, but comedy started coming through loud and clear that this is a part of hip hop culture and and how the culture communicates and and what the culture um, is turning to for entertainment. And there are a lot of young up and coming diverse comics around this country that, you know, you give them a microphone and they will <laughs> they will take their shot. So we've just launched a new show, show called Funny AF. Um, on on the network, and it's focused on young up and coming comics who have yet to be discovered, and we are having so much fun with it. It's been um, it's been resonating with the audience. We've been getting a lot You're of attention. For it. We're seeing traction. We're seeing a lot of social chatter. The the 
comics themselves are reaching out to us and saying, you know, this is amazing. People are recognizing me and talking to me and talking about my comedy. Um, and then, you know, we hope that there'll be an outlet on digital platforms for this as well. We have some things that are born in the digital universe and then migrate to TV or don't. And some things born on TV and then migrate to digital or don't. This is one that was really TV first for us and the experience of watching stand-up comedy. Um, and I hope that we'll migrate it. In fact, you know, probably to an audio format like podcast first um, and then in small ways and in social ways to promote it on digital. Mm -hmm. What have you found? Is there a, um, you know, there, there are so many social platforms out there, but do you find like, is Instagram your big driver? Is Facebook your big driver? What, what are the big engines for you on social? Well, you know, there's the engine for the conversation and the connection with the audience. And then there's the um, what's driving actual revenue models, which is which is different by platform, depending on how those platforms are approaching their business. You know, in terms of interactions um, with our audience, Instagram and, and YouTube for video are still driving a lot of the traffic for us. Um, but we have a great Facebook presence. We have our own Ono site with a dot TV um, that we drive. And those um, are important places for our brand. But, you know, you can wake up tomorrow and Facebook changes their video algorithm and it may or may not affect some of our um, individual content or our brand overall. It's hard to plan around that, whereas um, with the video serving of video and advertising, for us knowing that when we have a success, we know what that traffic looks like, then we can plan our business models around that. Then there's up and coming platforms and we're talking about you know Gen Z and iGen, things like TikTok um, are important to have on our radar and they're not gonna drive any revenue anytime soon, but if we're not there and connecting with our audience on those platforms, um, you know, then we're missing a beat in terms of how they communicate. Uh, you know, Twitter is, is still is out there, but I think for our audience being younger, it's it's more about the Instagram and now new platforms like TikTok. That must be a whole just keeping tabs of you know keeping on the front end of the the youth culture and you know what the kids today are into that must be a, you know a full-time job for many people for many people <laughs> including the CEO it it definitely is although the CEO benefits from a really fantastic team that <laughs> um keeps me informed of what's exciting them on a daily basis but you know i i think that's where the connection with the audience is the most important you know it's not a one way conversation um and it's not even just the dialogue everything we do germinates up from the audience itself. That's the, the heart of our authenticity. And when that happens and when you're open to that happening, they lead you to the places that are important to them and, and not even to, to us collectively as a group of people, um, a multifaceted, you know, target. And, uh, you know, so that it's important for us to be listening. So TikTok's a great example of something that when we see our audience talking about things and talking to us about things they're seeing on other platforms, then it's a sure sign that we should be following them, them there. That's your clue. Yeah. And you're also getting into the business of, as my 18 year old son would say, IRL, bringing <laughs> people to you're you're expanding your live event and your summit business. Tell us what drove your decision. You're going to have the revolt summit in a couple of days in Atlanta in September and in Los Angeles in October. Tell us about that as a business proposition. 
Absolutely. So, uh, you know, we did for the first few years of our existence, we had a conference called the Revolt Music Conference RMC in Miami, and it was a huge success. Um, and it would gather the industry leaders in hip hop music, primarily the business of music, along with young people for a two, three day um, content gathering, talking about the business itself and a chance for young people and in, in, in early on in their careers to learn from the best you know, we took a step back to say, you know, how do we really serve this audience? And then how do we really serve the business? And and this is really coming from the heart and mind of Sean Combs, where um, he believes and we believe that the culture is having um, a, a, such an important moment right now that it is being recognized as, as the powerhouse that, frankly, it's always been. You know, now you're seeing articles about hip hop music being the number one genre, Kendrick getting a Pulitzer Prize and the number one album in 2018 being a Drake album. And, you know, the culture is having its moment in the mainstream, recognizing its power, the power that's always been there. And at the same time, it's inextricable from social justice. It's inextricable from a discussion of this audience being empowered through economic ownership of their business and their culture. Sean has always talked a lot about the importance of business, being a businessman. I've I've always respected that, that he's always presented himself as he's a, he's a manager, he's a producer, he's an artist, but he's also, he's, he's also a businessman. I think that's a really interesting message for, for this generation at this time with all the tools they have at their disposal. Well, and right at the moment when the culture is becoming mainstream, which means it's also a business opportunity and the mainstream is who's going to own the benefit of the business of the culture. And so Revolt as a brand, Sean Combs as a, a human and a brand, <laughs> um, really feel passionately that the tools need to be in the hands of the culture itself Um, And that without ownership, there is no empowerment and there is no true um, change and there is no true um, voice in in the, the discussion of the fabric of this country. So how do we help young people take their place and learn what they need to learn to be the next generation of Sean Combs. And as he would say, that there's not just one or two Sean Combs in the marketplace, mm-hmm. but there are hundreds, if not thousands and hundreds of thousands. And this is really being born out of that conversation is let's empower people with knowledge. Let's empower them with connection um, into the culture and into the leadership and mentorship that can often drive a person's career. And then let's also celebrate because this culture is something amazing to be celebrated. So, you know, the revolt summit is about gathering to learn, to network, to celebrate. Um, we want to take it into the community as much as possible and make it accessible. So we've got an event on the ground in Atlanta in September, as you said, um, for three days, September 12th to 14th is the core in LA, October 24th, 26th. We're doing a huge event this week in New York to launch it. Um, we have an amazing partner and talking about companies that value us and our place and our audience um, and the authentic nature of our relationship with the audience. AT&T has come in as our presenting sponsor, but really on the ground with us inventing this new platform um, that allows the culture to own its own conversation. So, you know, the time is now to gather the industry and the leaders in the industry with the young people and say, you know, we have work to do. You got to lean in, you got to learn what you need to learn and meet the people you need to meet. And, and with um, that power and empowerment um, and love of the culture and authorship of the culture, go out and get it. Will it be as granular as here's how you write a business plan? Here's how you talk to somebody that might give you money for your brilliant idea? Does it get that granular? It, it will get um, granular. You know, these these 
gatherings will be for, you know, 3,000 young people. And then we hope the content can go out through social platforms and really reach a, a broader audience than that. So it'll be a real mix of streams. I think that you'll, you'll see, and I hope you'll join us, um, you'll see a mix of very tactical, you know, do you need a manager? Do you need an agent as a young artist? Um, moving up to the more uh, meta thought of, you know, what does it look like to own your own business? What does it look like to have authorship over your talent and your art? And because that doesn't mean doing everything by yourself. It doesn't mean you don't work with traditional companies. These companies, you know, are are important players in the marketplace that it's, it's about how you partner and how you value um, your own authorship. And then, of course, we'll have conversations around, um, you know, other areas of the business, not just music, the, the fashion, the art, uh, the comedy, we hope, um, and uh, social justice and how what's our responsibility as young business people, um, not only to our own culture, but to this country, to the planet. Um, and how does that connect in? What are, what are the conversations our generation, Gen X, hasn't been having? You know, conversations around mental health and business. These aren't separate from each other. And this young um, generation, I think, is going to be the benefit of openness and uh, frank talk about being full humans and still wanting to go out and get the bag. Roma, you had a long career. You were at MGM Television. You were at NBC Universal. Earlier in your career, you worked for Chum in Canada. What was it that drew you to Revolt? How did Sean recruit you? <laughs> um, you know, it, it's interesting because, and thank you for that, but I, I feel really blessed. I've had an amazing career um, and, and gone, you know, with content, with broadcast, with international um, and with very specific brands around the world. And then ultimately moving to L.A. with MGM television and um, taking over MGM television and digital and growing that business. When I when I left MGM, I was lucky enough to have um, time and space to take a step back from a 25 year career where I hadn't had more than a week or a week and a half off since law school. And a lot of travel um, as an international TV exec for NBC a, Universal. Exactly. A lot of travel, which sounds sexy, but it's exhausting. <laughs> Sometimes sexy, but mostly exhausting. And, um, I, you know, I, I took a step back and really got to that point in my career where I thought, um, you know, what do I really want? I've accomplished so many of my dreams from a career point of view. You know, what's next? And for me, um, I didn't know what I wanted to do next. I knew what it needed to encapsulate, which was about working with people that I respected, that I had something to learn from, who respected me, um, doing something that also mattered, not just in business, but in life and, and had a purpose. And um, entrepreneurialism and equity was becoming more and more important to me. And, you know, talk about millennials and Gen Zs. <laughs> the, these generations really understand the idea of ownership and, and equity. So I wanted um, to continue down that path that I, as I'd done with MGM and, uh, you know, was trying to look for the thing that was different. And when, when Sean Combs called me, you know, I said no multiple times to meeting him. Um, and I strongly suggest everyone says no to Sean Combs to meeting him if you don't want to say yes, because he's mesmerizing in person. <laughs> and it's hard to say no to him um, because he truly is brilliant. And his creativity is unlike anything I've seen before and his passion and his drive. And what occurred to me when I met with him was that it wasn't about the job. It was about the opportunity for me to grow, to, to be a CEO, to oversee financing, equity, debt financing, run the company soup to nuts is, as I had done within other companies before, but not outside. 
And then I have to say, you know, I, I my entire career, my experience, I was lucky enough to be in a lot of boardrooms, um, was often being uh, the only woman or, or one of a very um, small handful of women in the room and almost exclusively the only person of color. And I sat down with Sean and watched his team move around him. And it was the complete opposite of that. It was a lot of very strong, smart women. And it was predominantly people of color. And I thought, wow, uh, I wonder what that feels like. I wonder um, how that changes. And all of those things came together at the right moment where I thought, wouldn't it be nice to not be talking about diversity and how you get there, but to just be living it um, like something that why wouldn't you? There's no need to talk about it because this is just what life is. It's not a special so, department. It's it, Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Exactly. It's Tuesday in America. This is what it looks like. And his team really reflected that. And um, that was a powerful realization for me that uh, I wasn't going to be the only one in the room. And, and I really wanted to be a part of that team and a team that was also excellent, which was my requirement at all times in my career. Um, so yeah, so that, that is what lured me in and, um, got me into the mission and this idea of a brand and growing a brand that speaks to a specific audience, I believe is the future of media next to these huge companies that you are, uh, you are either all things to all people, which is the Netflix model of content, or, you know, exactly who you're talking to and to have an underserved audience like the revolt audience with content that is exciting, that is youthful, and that is the heart of pop culture today, it just seemed like an opportunity I couldn't pass on. Well, it seems like a great marriage of CEO and mission. Roma, yes. thank you so much for coming to talk with us and good luck with everything, particularly the summit. It sounds like a lot of work. Thank you, Cynthia. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business. 